it, and welcome back to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero, your favorite AC Milan podcast and the podcast of uh, SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll alongside Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at SBN Rossonero is where you can find us and acmilan.theoffside.com is where you can find our work. And here we are again. Three points. Did we look good? No. Did we look bad? Sometimes. Did we get three points? Yes, we did. 1-0 over Verona thanks to a Piantec goal. And, I mean, for those of us that were saying, hey, let's use Verona as a tune-up to get everything right so that when we get to enter, we'll be in good shape. Well, that didn't happen. That absolutely, I mean, we didn't, we didn't look good. There, there, there was almost nothing to take away from that game. Strangely similar to the Brescia game, where we just brick housed it. And, I mean, again, didn't look good, didn't look great, didn't look terrible but again we didn't look good and so here we are again except this time inter is up next which means it is inter hate week which means i hope that you all had not only your atletico madrid jerseys ready uh for the juventus game in the champions league but i also hope that you had your slavia prague jerseys ready for their match against Inter in the Champions League, as Milan fans like us just have to sit and suffer and watch and root against them and hope they get eliminated in the group stage. I don't know. We're grasping at straws here as Milan fans. We're really just hoping we can get back there. And uh, then we watch Atalanta get eviscerated, which was, you you know, you hate to see it happen. But it is Inter-hate week. Uh, Friendly reminder that Milan is red. Um, Tim, how are you? I'm going to bring you in here. Um, how are you spending your inter-hate week? I'm spending my inter-hate week missing the inter-hate weeks where we actually had a chance to win the match. So it's a, it's a weird feeling this time around, just that sinking feeling of dread and despair. But, you know, we'll get through it. And on Saturday, I'll wake up with my blood boiling, as I usually do on Derby Day, ready to... Uh, just talk about how much I hate every single person on that field wearing blue. You, you talk about waking up with your blood boiling, as is tradition. Um, I'm looking forward to waking up and just being like, wow, I, I really dislike Enter. And then I'm going to turn on the game and I'm going to be like nervous. I'm going to be amped up, you know, like a couple of years ago. Remember the uh, remember the Derby that they moved up to noon Italy time? Because both of the teams have been bought by Chinese ownership. Oh, yeah. And they wanted yeah. to like show it in Asia and stuff. Weird. <laughs> um, also a freezing cold take, by the way. Um, but they moved it up. I got up at 6 a.m. And I bootlegged it. Because at the time, ESPN Plus didn't have it. Yeah. So you need to figure out how to watch it. Man, I love ESPN Plus. Big fan. Shame, <laughs> shameless plug um, for you. But yeah, I, I mean, big fan. Worth the $5. Um, that is not free advertising. But if ESPN 
wants to throw something our way, that would be that'd be great. Um, <laughs> but I, I woke up and I went to First Row Sports. Also, if they want to give us money, that would be great. Um, and I watched it on some. The commentary was German. And that was the friendly reminder. That was the Zapata 93 game uh, or Zapata 94, 93. I don't know, but that was the Zapata equalizer game. And so I went and then I went about the rest of my day being like, at least we didn't lose. Right. Well, now I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be watching it. I'm going to be like really just focused. And then we're going to get scored on and my day is going to be ruined. So um our our man in charge at the uh at the ac milano side mookie uh he asked the group chat uh and so keep an eye out for mookie's predictions article right uh that is going to be on acmilan.theoffside.com soon and he asked for some predictions and i'm going to keep some names out of it so that you have to read the article for the names but here are the scores 2-1 Inter, 1-0 Inter, 3-1 Milan, 3-0 Merida, 3-1 Inter, 2-1 Inter. That should tell you the positivity that we have. And we are usually a positivity podcast, but you and I were speaking before we started recording, and we are also realistic. And, I mean, after seeing this Verona game, I'm not optimistic at all. I I don't have anything, there was nothing, excuse me, there was nothing positive. One of my only takeaways was, wow, Benacer must be really good because we didn't look that good when he wasn't on the pitch. That was one of my takeaways too. I mean, there was clearly a huge gap in the team in the midfield, and you can easily say that not having Benacer out there prevented their ability to build up play into the attacking third from the midfield and you had a you had a left side of the field that was completely useless with Paketa and Chalinolu and you know whatever the heck they were trying to do out there but they didn't have anyone to create the play for them it was Suso ball all the way which you know we love to you know, we've been saying this literally as long as we've been doing this podcast that we just lo- our favorite thing is Suso Ball. And I guess I'll go through the lineup. Uh, the defense wrote itself. More on that in a second. Chalanoglu, Bilia, Kessi, Paqueta, Suso, Piantek. First reaction to lineup. Cool. Chalanoglu and Paqueta, which you and I talked about are on the pitch together. Great. Suso's on the right. Great. Kessie is always going to be there. Uh, Bilia, not Benacer. Weird. Uh, weird. Yeah, weird's the best word for it because I was like, why? This this obviously means that he was just waiting for Bilia to be healthy again and that Bilia is his first choice. I thought by now that Benacer had established, like, okay, I'm we're good, right? Yeah. I would have had... L- actually no complaints about this lineup if Benacer had been in. Yeah, I thought that would have been an ideal 11 if Benacer was in. I mean, you know, Rebic was never going to start in in this match. He's only been with the club for a few days. So I I saw it, and I, at first I was looking through the Twitter graphic that they put out, and I was like, wow, great. They've got the, 
they've got the best 11 through a quarter in the jar right there. And I was like, wait a second. That, that where is Benacer? Midfield yep. is not Benacer. Like, I thought we had this figured out already. Because, I mean, look, for as much as we thought that they were lackluster against Brescia in that win, I mean, we were drooling over the way Benacer played, the way he was the way he was just bossing the midfield and the way he was able to start things within a millisecond of winning the ball back. I mean, I just, I think about the one player in particular, he, he won the ball. He won the ball going toward the goal Milan were attacking. And within a second, like he had turned on a dime and played the ball back to the center back and was able to just cool things down and get things reset. And then they were able to move forward from there, I was just like, I keep thinking about the way he turned and played the ball so quickly after the tackle he made. And I was just like, man, like this is what we've been missing for years. And then he not only doesn't start, but he doesn't come in. Yeah, and we only they only used one sub. That I was just I that that can... <laughs> you're coming out of an international break, playing a terrible team that you should be bossing, and you have a derby coming up. And you're only going to use 12 players? Are you kidding me? That's what baffled that. So we talk about there was like almost nothing positive to take away. And you and I had to enter the spin zone just now to get a positive about Benacer when he didn't even play. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you could see the hole. So like obviously Benacer is good. So we you and I had to spin zone the hell out of that just now. You go to the negative takeaways and you're like, oh, my God. Bilia, not good. Chalanoglu and Paqueta did not have a good game. Piantek was lucky to score. Suso resorted to Suso ball again, 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 again. Um, here we go. Unused subs, right? Benacer, Liao. Rebic came in for Paqueta and looked fine, honestly. Yeah. It, it, good. But uh, so that I have no problem with, right? Rebic, great, made an appearance. Where, where are the other subs? Where did did someone not? Because remember, last season, part of our problem was Gattuso's substitution pattern. Right? I'd rather have Gattuso's substitution pattern than literally not using the subs at all. I just spent a whole summer dealing with Jill Ellis's substitution pattern, watching <laughs> the Women's World Cup. <laughs> And I thought I was past that nonsense when the season started, and apparently not. Apparently not, because, I, I mean, it, the thing is, as you're watching, too, you're like, oh, my God, where are the subs? Oh, my God, where are the subs? Oh, my God. Is he going to put in Castillejo, like, to end the game? What is it going on? screaming for Barino. Oh, my God. Yeah, our backup uh, center back. Yeah, um, especially because we couldn't control the game at all needed needed his lockdown guy to come in and so i have so the and the 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 icing on the cake is a 90 plus four red card from davide calabria i have no idea that gets my blood boiling because now speaking the obvious right we're not gonna have him for the derby and you could see it in his face as soon as it happened and as soon as he was shown red he was like, oh, my God, I'm missing the next game. Like, yeah. oh, and my he, God, no. He knew immediately. I see. Like, I have two views on this red card. One of them is for Calabria specifically. I'll get to that in a second. 
it's, it's an obvious one. First one, I don't know why that why VAR didn't look at this because of the offside from the two Verona forwards on the on the initial ball in. I don't know if they consider that a separate phase of the play, but that very much led to the attacking situation for Verona. And I, but at the same time, Calabria, what a stupid decision. What? Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Like what a stupid play all around from him. First, like the way he went to kick out and then his arm up like that. Like it's for a player who has been so crucial and so seemingly intelligent every single time we've seen him from a young age we've seen him just be so consistently good in in a very underrated way i feel like and this is the first time i've ever really come out of a match screaming about him and it was just because of this one incident like it's amazing how quickly an opinion of a player's performance can change but that was such a crucial moment. And obviously it means he's suspended for the Derby. And we now have to turn to a right back we brought in with a lot of potential a couple years ago who has not panned out and is going to be fed to the wolves. The fact that Andrea Conti and you and I were talking about Andrea Conti. I mean, the fact that he is the only other right back that we have I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll throw my hands up right now. Unless I'm missing someone, unless I am forgetting, like, does Teo Hernandez know how to play right back? No, but you know who does? Fabio Barini. Fabio Barini. Yep. And th- that's the most upsetting thing is that we can say that with a straight face and like that's actually a, th- that's actually happened. You know, our, our backup defensive midfielder has played right back. Um, and he actually, that's one of his better games for Milan. He wasn't trash that game. Yeah. Um, but so we have Andrea Conti who you had the stat earlier. Yes. When was the last time Andrea Conti played? The last time he played was, um, was the final game of the season. He against Spal when he came in for the final 10 minutes, um, he made his last start a few weeks before that on April 28th in a two nil loss to Torino. He got a really early booking in that one too. That was one of, that was one of the crucial games. That was the nail in the coffin game because they went on to win the last four games after that. So that Torino loss and it was a, they really should have won. Um, that's what ended up deciding the, the season for them. And it's actually pretty interesting. You look at, his last two starts were that game and the Parma draw before that. And so he really was involved in the downfall at the end of the season. Um, he actually, amazingly, he so he started those games. He started four games the entire season. He only went 90 once all of last season. It was against Empoli. So a team that is now no longer in the league. Uh, a 3-0 win when Milan were in fourth and cruising. Uh, he had an assist. And now he and now he gets to come back and play Inter. There's nothing. And we're, I mean, I, yeah. again, we try to be positive, right? But, oh my God. The fa- he's going to get crushed. I'm, I'm sincerely yeah. afraid he's going to get absolutely fried out there 
we're going to have Rodriguez again, unless Hernandez comes and starts this game. But at this point, you you got to start Rodriguez because I don't want to give someone's yeah. first match against Inter. And I don't want, especially if Calabria is out, I don't want to have to play a second new wing back yeah no we can't, against inter you, like we you can't, can't tinker that much now i'm going on the assumption we're doing the christmas tree right so it's gonna be i think rodriguez romagnoli musacchio conti suso on the right piantec on top and paqueta i guess i i think benacer in the middle uh obviously you would hope benacer i would hope benacer in the middle but so there are a couple things. There are a couple moving parts here. One, um, apparently, Giampaolo. There are reports that he basically said that he wants, or he said after the game that he wants Paqueta to be less Brazilian. Love it. And then in regards to his style of play, which you love to hear. And then Paqueta posted a picture on Instagram or on his story or something that had the caption or the type in the middle of the story, um, essentially like proud to be Brazilian. And so then Giampaolo had to have a meeting with him and be like, look, like I was talking about this. I'm not saying anything about you being Brazilian. I'm saying like, I want you to play like this or something. So, I, I give it a 0%, I mean, not 0% chance, because then I'm just going to be wrong. But I don't think Paqueta starts this game. Um, and there's been another report that he wants Castillejo to play Trey Cortista. Oh, dear Lord. Which, if you had told me that at this point last season, I would have been like, oh, yeah, let's go for it. Let's try it. Sweet. Because at this point last season, I was still semi-excited about Castillejo and thought he would be good. Yes, well, he's same. not. He's not. And I can guarantee you that's not going to go well. And no. if we go back, so if we go back to the Trey Cortista thing, we're not doing the 4 3 2 1. So then what are we doing? Are we going to do the two striker thing again? Are we going to see Liao ever? Is Benacer going to start this game? I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of these questions. Why would we? Are we going to try a new formation? Like, are we going to do the two-three-one kind of thing that you and I have been talking about? Like, is Chalinoglu going to start? I I have no idea about this left. I have no idea. I don't. If if the Tricortista means Castillejo, I don't want it. No, absolutely not. And if the Tricortista means Suso Tricortista, I don't want that either because he's just going to drift out to the right anyway. Exactly. And I I mean I I think Rebic is going to start. I think he will, and I think he should. I I agree, but I want to see Paqueta. I yeah. don't want to stop seeing Paqueta just because now Giampaolo has a minor, if not resolved, beef with him. I, I'm in full agreement with you. I want to see Rebic, and I want to see Paqueta. So I think what that means is you drop Chalinolu from the 11. Unless, because we clearly cannot get into the head of Giampaolo because we just can't understand how that mind works sometimes. He started him as the regista in the first game against Udinese and clearly corrected that. But if he wants to have them both on the field, Paqueta and Chalinolu, but now he's going to put Rebic in, that's the natural progression 
is back into the regista role and i don't like that idea one bit i think i think this is where you move chalanolu to the bench unfortunately there's just no place for him in the 11 if we're going the best 11 in their best positions uh, funny my computer just buzzed as i said that amazing um so i think look because one of the things i said about Rebic when he first came in on loan was it adds a new dimension to the attack and i think that kind of bore itself out in the verona match because until he came on it was a the field was very much tilted toward the one and only suso and then finally when he came on it seemed like the play started to flow more to the left and he was able to create some promising moves forward from that left-hand side. So to have him and Suso both out there and you have to, but you can now attack from both sides instead of just heavily tilting to one side and against a team that knows Suso very well and is going to be ready for Suso. Um, and they haven't seen Rebic before. It's going to like, that gives you an opportunity. And I feel like, Moving Paqueta back into that midfield spot where we've talked about that left midfield spot can kind of move forward and then the other guys will fill in. I think it gives Paqueta more, like it gets him more into Jampala's system while allowing him to be that Brazilian style playmaker that he wants to be. And I think that might end up being the best thing is to have Rebage ahead of him, Paqueta in the midfield. And, you know, having Chalanolu coming off the bench, if he ever uses a sub, love that. Um, I'm going to be honest. So I, I, I think that's how it should play. I think the, obviously, Piotek is going to be up top by himself. I agree. I want to see Leao. I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but he's, he's another guy who needs to be coming on 15, 20 minutes at the end of the game. Uh, Suso and Rebic behind Piotek. With Paqueta, Benacer, please, 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 and Kessier in the midfield. And then Rodriguez, Romagnoli, Musacchio. I'm going to do it. I think I think this might be a Fabio Barini right back game. I I think it might be. I I know I know Conti is the right back after Calabria, but we've we've seen very little of him. I don't know. I feel like Barini might be... It seems like Giampaolo has a group of guys that he trusts. And Barini seems like he might be one of those guys. I, I, wouldn't, I, should, I wouldn't be surprised if Barini is the right back on Saturday. I would, I would much prefer Conti, obviously, as scary as that is to say. Uh, but I really... If I see the team sheet and Barini's on it, I'm just going to be like, okay. Honestly, I mean, he kind of needs to play Conti because if Conti's on, he's good. But we've pretty much only seen Conti injured. And I think this could be, I mean, the the problem is he's either going to be like, oh, Conti's back. Or it's going to be like, oh my God. Rest in peace, Andrea Conti, and then put in Fabio Barini by default. I hope it's not Barini, um, but I understand that like 
we could we are dangerously close to Barini right back time. And um before we uh get before we get too far past it, you mentioned Cassier, and I wanted to bring this up. So shocker, Cassie got abused racially by Hellas Verona fans. Um there were monkey chants and uh one of the most shocking statements for me uh, was from the Hellas Verona official Twitter because everyone was like, okay, well, you know, he just got booed, or not booed, excuse me, he just got monkey chanted and all this stuff. And then the Hellas Verona Twitter account tweets, and I, I'm using the translate from Italian on Twitter function and trying to fill in the parts that it doesn't really translate. Um, so it says, the boos to Cassie, the insults to Donnarumma, perhaps someone has been dazed by the decibels of the Gallio Blue fans. What did we hear? Uh, and then the next, uh, the next reply of it is, whistles uh, inevitable for referee decisions that still leave us very perplexed. Uh, and then many applause, uh, uh, much applause to our gladiators at the end of the race. Uh, we do not uh, expire in cliches. I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I, yeah. That's a mistranslation. <laughs> but we do not. Uh, oh, it's something like we don't live in cliches and labels now uh, essentially put on us literally referred to their players as gladiators i think yeah. that's extremely cliche but go on uh respect for verona and the verona area hashtag respect and hashtag respect is in english um so basically rep- <laughs> step one hellas verona fans reportedly chant monkey chants at Kessier and insult donnarumma behind goal which you and i have talked about this we talked about the chanting and we talked about, we even addressed like insulting, right? Yeah. Like, cause you and I were both big, um, you know, big, um, college soccer guys. We we're always in the student section. We would yell stuff, but you'd never like insult the person. Right. You'd mess with them, but you wouldn't insult them. Uh, and you would never do something racist. Well, never. Apparently, the Hells Verona fans did both, and the Hells Verona Twitter account basically says, um, "We're making so much noise. You, th- you're confused. They were booze." And then, um, basically says, "Stop calling us racists." To say that you're, to say that people heard you wrong because your fans were so loud is a PR hype move that is absolutely not the hill to die on. Yeah, it's a really, really cold take of like, oh yeah, hey oh, we make so much noise. You thought we were racist. This like what? Th- <laughs> I, like here, like any any club out there that recognizes they might have a problem, here here's my resume to you. I would write something like, you know, we're really proud of our history of passionate fans but this is an embarrassing moment in 
Hellas Verona history, this sort of thing has absolutely no place within our stadium, within our fan base, within our club, and within football in general. We condemn this to the fullest of our ability and will pursue every possible action to make sure that this does not happen again. And done. Yeah. That's all you had to say. We we love our team. We love our fans. This is not okay. Racism is bad. We're going to find you if you do it. We regret the incident and apologize to Frank Cassier and AC Milan. And, and to football fans everywhere for bringing exactly. disgrace. Yep. Exactly. It's not that hard. Um, we, we, you know, we did the whole thing. We, we, if you want to listen back, um, to our previous episode where we talked about it, um, it's, you know, we go off on it, we do the whole thing and not that it isn't worth repeating, but I mean, how many different times are we going to say racism is bad? And then this happens again. And it's like, it's just embarrassing because we love Syria so much. I mean, we grew up on Syria, and obviously the club of our hearts is in this league, and it's it's to a point where in the last few years it's become news if it if the players aren't subjected to this. And it's like that is just such an embarrassing state of state of being for Syria and just for football in general and just for society in general. So this has got to stop. And clearly the no punishment against Calgary is an embarrassment. No mention of these actions here. Uh, I mean, just at some point it's, there has to be an action that first of all, this just shouldn't happen again. Basic. But when it happens again, you know, there needs to be a significant moment. I'm not like, I'm not saying it's on the on the victims to do. It should never be on the victims to do something. But at this point, who's going to do anything other than the coaches and the players who are dealing with this week in, week out? Like, they're the ones putting the product on the field. Maybe we don't deserve the product if this continues to happen. Well, also, like, where are the referees? Yeah. Like, they're hearing it, too. They're there to they're the ones with the authority to call off the game without punishment. Yeah. They're the ones who are allowed to what where is that? Why so like yeah, the players, the coaches, like the thing is the players make statements all the time. The coaches, like Carlo Ancelotti has said, Nope, we're not gonna do it. We're walking off. But like and I I'm not saying like, all right, do it then. But also like, all right, to <laughs> do it. Like but where the my that's my thing is where the the referees are the ones who can call the game cuz i remember there was a game milan were playing roma at the san siro and balotelli was getting racially abused and the ref like paused the game they made an announcement over the loudspeaker and they sent de rossi and totti to where the Roma fans were sitting for them to tell them to stop. And they stopped the game for like three minutes and then they continued. And I guess it didn't happen anymore. But like things like, and you mentioned Cagliari not getting fined. And just the full thing on that is that uh, the Italian Football Federation Sporting Justice Panel 
ruled that the chants could not be considered discriminatory in terms of their scale and realization. Um, Liga Serie said the panel had therefore decided not to apply sanctions, and police in the Sardinian capital told investigators that, quote, only on the occasion of Lukaku's penalty were chants, shouts, and whistles aimed at the opposition athlete as he prepared to take his shot. So no punishment, no fine, but Cagliari were fined 5,000 euros after fans threw bottles onto the pitch against Parma. So littering is worse than racism is what I'm getting from here. So I, and I mean, to, to just drive the point home, it is going to get to a point because this happens all the time in Italy happens all the time everywhere, but it is very much more prevalent in Italy. You don't have supporters groups coming out and saying, this is how we do it here. Deal with it. Lukaku. Um, in other countries. No. In fact, in other countries at the moment, you have them being punished for saying they're anti-racism. So yeah, another, another another thing, the can of words, the last thing I'll say on this is it's just like it's kind of like the the P word chant with Mexico fans and all of this talk about these new FIFA laws and the way like a referee can go about stopping a match then abandoning it. Look, we haven't seen it. And at the moment, it's just words on a piece of paper until we see a referee take the proper actions. And look at Again, if the players and the coaches have to take it into their own hands, if the referee and the people in positions of power won't, and they end up getting punished with a forfeit, even though the proper laws were not implemented, look, I'd ra- I would be, I'm already, I'm a proud Milan fan, no matter what. I would be so proud of that club if they stood up and walked off that pitch. That would be the that would be the only time I'd be considering a loss acceptable yeah no is if they did that and if for you know not to make it about this but if they come to the end of the season and they're two points out of the champions league because they walked off the pitch that is fine by me that is taking a stand that's not worrying about the consequences against you and that casts a light on the fact that the proper rules aren't being utilized to combat this growing and serious problem yeah And honestly, I mean, like we've said before, some things are bigger than the game. This is one of those things. And relating it back to the game, you are going to get to a point where it is going to be harder and harder to attract players to Italy because of stuff like this. Straight up. And the last thing that I'll say on it is that an Italian pundit named Luciano pa- uh, Passerani uh, was complimenting Lukaku, right? He's on TV, and he said um, about Lukaku, he's praising him, right? He said, uh, this guy kills you in the one-on-ones. If you try and challenge him, you wind up on the floor. He was praising his strength. Uh, he said, Either you have 10 bananas to give him to eat or, and he got fired immediately. He got fired immediately. And then he said, uh, basically like, 
you know, oh, I, I wasn't trying to be racist. I was complimenting him, blah, 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 blah. Right. Except you said, like, to feed him bananas. You could have said anything. And I, and he basically is like, I'm not racist. I didn't mean to da, 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 da. Okay. Well, you know what? You could have said, go in studs up and tear his ACL on a harsh challenge is the only yeah. way to stop him. And that would have been passable. Yeah. The only way to, you know, if this guy had said, oh, the only way to go in is to injure him. The only way to stop him is to injure him. Everyone would have been like, yo, dude, you're messed up. And he w- there would have been controversy and we would have moved on. But the fact is, he was like, oh, the only way to stop him is to give him 10 bananas to eat. It's like, all right, well, great. This guy's a racist too. Move on. Like, I don't understand, like, and, and I mean, like, the whole, like, racism in Italy in Italian football thing, I mean, doesn't that kind of put it in a nutshell? Is this 80-year-old dude was on TV and is saying, like, oh, Lukaku's really, really, really good, ha, 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 bananas. What, <laughs> what are we doing here? Seriously, what, I, I, I don't understand. So, again, um, you know, to bring it all home, again... I'll reiterate, uh, if you think it's okay, you can stop listening to the podcast now, go away, don't come back. Uh, if you stand with us, if you say, if you see something, say something. And for the last time, racism is bad. Um, so now back to the football, um, to take a look at Inter one last time. We've been talking about it and to quote the great Han Solo, I have a bad feeling about this. Uh, I don't think I, I went through the predictions from our staff earlier. Uh, stay tuned for the predictions article on the AC Milan offside. I'm very concerned from the starting lineup. I, you know, we are approaching Montella territory of lineups where it's like, okay, are we ever going to start the same team? Because remember, Vincenzo Montella went 22 games and never started the same 11, which is legitimately impressive. But he's currently trying to get Fiorentina relegated. So, I mean, we'll see how that works. But, I mean, I, I don't... I don't want... I want to see Liao, but I don't want to see him start. You know? I want to see Suso on the... I want to see Suso, but I want to see him on the right. I want to see Paqueta, but I don't want to see him and Chalanoglu anymore. What if we saw Paqueta as Tricortista? I don't know. Would that work? I have no idea. Uh, Piantec can really only play alone up top, so that eliminates Liao next to him. But does that eliminate Paqueta as Tricortista? I don't know. Uh, Paqueta, Chalanoglu on the left together didn't really work. I don't want to see Billy anymore. I want to see Benacer. Um, We'll go with the 4-3-2-1. I'm with you. You know, you, you sold me. I'll take Paqueta in the midfield, Rebic I want to start as he should start. So yeah, I and then Conti I get. I mean, I still think from that midfield spot, Paqueta could play some sort of trequartista role where Rebic is going to go out to the wing, and Paqueta has the fitness and the ability to like he can play in that midfield three when they need to go flat like that, and then the shape can change and he can drop in behind Piotek. Because you know Suso's going to wa- go wide. You know Rebic is going to go wide. I think it lends itself to Paqueta uh, coming into that space and becoming the playmaker and becoming that creative player. Because I, I think we've seen so many times, in especially the end of last season, 
when Paqueta started playing for the club in uh, after that move, you know he he would play in that midfield three a lot, but he was providing a lot of incredible incredible play into the attacking areas, and I think that's part of the reason why Piazza came in and was seamlessly continuing the run that he had from Genoa. Uh, was the way Paqueta was setting the ball up for him. I, I'm, I'm, my confidence is so low, and I'm really afraid that, like, I'd love to introduce the world to Rebic ball, right? But I'm afraid it's just going to be, like, we're not going to be able to do anything in the final third. We're going to get blasted on the counter. Um, our midfield, outside of Benacer and, and Kessie, Kessie has the same game every single game. To me, he he's very consistent. He's like one of the most consistent players on the team. What I don't want is for us to be down 2-0 in the 70th minute and for Suso to commence Suso ball and just start shooting from 30 yards. Because we've seen him do it before where he just starts, like if you're hot, shoot. If you're not, shoot till you are. And he just takes it and he doesn't pass and he just tries to fire him. Right. And I don't want that to happen. Like if we're going to play, like actually try and play, like actually give it, <laughs> actually give it a try. Um, all I want to see is, and just put one in the jar now, best players in their best position. I need, I mean, I would like to Calabria not to get sent off. That would have been great. I, uh, but now there's no excuse to not play Benacer because he's rested. But I don't want to see Castillejo. I don't want to see Barini um, anywhere. And I want to see Liao come in. I don't think these are, like, I don't think these are hard things to ask. Um, and, I mean, I'll I'll give my prediction. I think it's going to be 2-1 enter. I have the same score. My whole thing of what's going to go wrong, look, again, Exposed on the counter. I can see it happening now. Um, I can see us being completely lacking in the final third. If Piontek doesn't have a good game, we're hosed in the final third. We got to sort that out. That can't keep happening. Uh, midfield creativity, bleh, like outside of Benacer, like unless Paqueta moves up like we've been saying and Rebic plays in his place, then I can see there being... A, a better like better movement like we've said it's more balanced they'll be more dynamic i like that a lot and that gives me a sense of optimism but what i don't have optimism about is just the matchup um you know we were asked our man of the match and flop of the match um stefano sensi is going to be man of the match he's going to score one he's going to assist one lukaku's going to score the other uh, our goal scorer is going to be um, Piontek uh, off a Suso assist. And we are going to get blasted on the counter and set pieces. And our defense is going to look fine except for when we get scored on. Um, and that's not going to be the defense's fault. It's going to be uh, either Conti or Rodriguez or it's going to be the midfield. Uh, I'm just very concerned. I don't think... I. I would be very pleased with a draw. Yeah, I think a draw would be an outstanding result. And 
Of course, we're talking about playing against the best team in Serie A so far, the only team that hasn't dropped points. Um, that would be a nice little dent to them. And look, I I I, I agree two one. I think that's going to be the score. I think Pialtek will get his goal, but I also think he's going to miss a couple of big chances. Um, you know, he really hasn't hit his stride yet this season, and he's just he's had a couple opportunities that he has to put away and he hasn't. So um, I think you know, be it a Suso ball into the box or some haphazard penalty that they end up getting by some miracle. But I think they're going to get ripped apart on the counterattack as well. Um, the only full match of Inters that I've watched this season has been the opener against Lecce, where they did they put the four goals past them. Uh, they've been kind of tame in the game since, I feel like. But that game could have easily been 6-7-8-0 because it, it's kind of funny. The four goals that they scored, well, I'll, the first three, that Kandreva goal was just unbelievable. Um, the first three goals were all kind of like they were already into the attacking third and it was kind of a build-up play, uh, patient in the in the area, and they they just were able to get the ball in. Um, but they had a lot of counterattack opportunities where I like just Lukaku's passes were too heavy. And yes, Lukaku was leading those counterattacks, which was kind of strange to see. Um, to see this number nine co- go out to the wing and beat players on the dribble and then, you know, just burst into the attack with Lautaro and. Sensi and Kendreva and all these guys booming in alongside him. Now he's got Alexis Sanchez. And I, I was just like terrified for Lecce. And it, I've just been picturing in my head all week, Milan getting caught on the counter. And I, look, I, I have faith in the, in the defense. I don't have faith on in the right side at the moment because Calabria is out. Um, I think Benacer is, if he plays, can give Sensi a challenge in the midfield. I think Kessie is a tank, as we've always said. But I think at some point during this match, they're just going to get stretched too thin. And, you know, you're looking at a game that's probably going to be really back and forth, really cagey, because that's how a derby is. Um, how often have we seen a dominant final, uh, dominant derby? I mean, they can't all be a 6-0, uh, one of the greatest moments in club history. But I don't know. I just, I feel like it's going to, like, they'll probably get a first half goal. It'll be 1 0. Late on, Milan will be pressing forward. I think Inter probably goes up 2 0 before that Milan goal goes in. But I think that goal is going to be created from Suso trying to do everything himself or them just booming forward, trying to, trying to get back into the match. And once Inter gets the ball and can transition, I mean, there, there's no stopping them. I mean, the, they really only have stopped themselves from scoring on the counterattack this season. So I think it, you know, I think it stays two one, but I think it, there, it's going to be a really worrying game, and we're going to come out of it feeling really upset. I think there are positives to be taken from how Slavia Prague stopped Inter and. Slavia deserved to win the game midweek. Um, they 
got scored on essentially by a fluke, um, b- a bad clearance deflection kind of situation. Uh, that I mean, that's the positivity. If Slavia can do it, maybe we can too. Maybe we can shut them down. Maybe we can stop the attacks and stifle them and break up the midfield. But, I mean, based on the guys on their team that they have and how well the team and the individuals have been playing so far this season, I mean, it just seems like Inter is going to win this game and we're going to have to move on for our... Thursday game against Torino. Look, there's a reason we spent so long on the Serie A preview pod with Peter talking about Juventus as the next team to win the Serie A title outside of Juventus because that's that's what they are now. They are the real deal and we're it's going to be rough, but it's it's the reality right now. Look, I mean, Slavia played an outstanding game. Um, that was that was really fun to watch, and the look they were they were organized. They clearly had an idea and a purpose, and I feel like from Milan we haven't seen the pragmatism of Gianpaolo that he's become so famous for. Um, I think it's very much been a feeling out phase in these first few matches, and I just don't know. I like. Something we've we are now almost an hour into this, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that Verona played that match with ten men for most of it, and I think that's just because like Milan were that underwhelming that their performance on its face was so bleh that it wouldn't have mattered if it was ten or eleven. It was just it was that shocking. So I mean if they can't even if they can't even capitalize on Verona playing a man down, I mean I don't I just have absolutely no confidence in their ability to go into this and even even get a point. I just it'll it'll be cagey, but I just I don't see it and look Slavia are in the Champions League for a reason. Weaker league, sure. A team that Milan should be able to beat on their day, absolutely. But, I mean, they they put in a really good performance that I don't think Milan will be able to match at the weekend. I wish that we had, like Inter, gotten our stuff together and been in clicking mode by now. But we clearly are not. And they are, and I, I'm hoping we don't get run off the park. We're either going to get run out of there, or, you know, it's it's going to be, yeah, Inter were the better team, but at least it was like a like you said a rivalry game, where it's like okay, it's cagey, like it's close, it's not you know fighting for the breakthrough kind of thing. Or we're just going to get one-way trafficked. And I'm afraid it's going to be one-way traffic. Um, but we'll see. You know, you can, you never know. Um, you know, I'm trying not to resign myself to anything. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, these games are always something else. I mean, the, the TIFO will be great. Uh, the fans always are. But... 
you know, we'll see how it goes. Saturday, 2.45 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Um, we both have 2-1 bad guys, but never forget that Milan is red. I don't see anything else to change my mind. That's what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to change my mind. Like, maybe we can do X, right? I don't think that magic plan is here. I don't think we don't have it together yet. And what I'm really hoping is that we can get it together in time. <laughs> this is the saddest thing is that I'm hoping we can get it together in time for the start of November. Yeah, look, I, I was just thinking about that because obviously November is a very, very trying month with Lazio, Juve, and Napoli. But after this match... Uh, after this match at the weekend, Torino have not been great. Uh, Fiorentina, Vincenzo Montella is going to try his best to get him relegated. Genoa, eh, but nothing good. Lecce, ideally you'd be able to roll over Lecce. Uh, Roma haven't convinced me as a team that's a top four side, but neither of Milan and neither of Lazio. Um, and then Spall, um, who, of course, just pulled off a fantastic win against Lazio. But look, those are those are all matches where we've talked about you should be able to get points and a whole lot of them in that stretch. So obviously we haven't seen enough from Milan to convince us that that's doable at the moment. But hey, let's uh, this, this is where I think the positivity pod aspect comes in is. Because November sucks. Oh, yeah. With, but it's two home games and then at Juve. Um, then after that, like, I don't want to just sit here and go game by game for the entire season. But after that, it's Parma, Bologna, Sassuolo, Atalanta, who haven't been great this year, Sampdoria, Cagliari, Udinese, Brescia, Verona, and then you're back to Inter. I mean, there is a run in there. Should be able to get a whole lot of points. I'm just like, I'm I'm stuck on like, I really don't want to be resigned to a loss to enter, but I just can't think of any other alternate. I mean, unless we get, maybe we get a Zapata 90, you know, not Zapata, but like maybe we get a Zapata 93 again or whatever number it was, 96, 94, whatever. But I don't know, you know, Hold on to hope, you know, friendly reminder again that Milan is red, but, you know, you have our predictions, uh, tweet us yours at Stoll underscore P at SBN Rossonero, uh, keep an eye out for our predictions, uh, article coming out, and of course all our coverage of uh, the biggest derby in Italian football. So uh, on that note, thank you for listening to another episode of The Devil Wears Rossonero. Uh, Tim, my man, thanks a lot for joining me. Uh, Milan is red. Hopefully we get a pleasant surprise on Saturday. But as always, it was a pleasure. Always. We'll see you next week. We got uh, two games next week and then the Derby to review. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so we're going to be able to react to that with all our hate built up from Inter-Hate Week. Uh, and then we're going to get to preview uh, not only Torino, but Fiorentina, as we mentioned before. So really looking forward to that. Right now, in the zone, tunnel vision, enters next. Let's get something out of this game, boys. Prove us wrong, just like you proved us wrong for the Udinese game. Yikes. <laughs> Our predictions have not been great, so let's hope that we get these predictions wrong too. 
But on that note, again, thank you for listening. We will see you next week again at Sol underscore P, at SBN Rossonero, acmilan.theoffside.com. For Tim and for the staff of the AC Milan Offside, I'm Patrick. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next week. Milan is red. 